Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Turf Hub Podcast. Today I'm at Sirencester Golf Club and I'm joined by Head Grinky Bear, Richard Lewison. Richie, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks Joe. Thanks for coming today. Looking well, forward to this. Thank you for having me. And uh, I don't suppose Lewison means anything in French, does it? It's, well, it's a French guillotine apparently, Joe. So as I, I am sat with a French, a French guillotine. Yeah, a bit of a strange one. Eh? Okay, so without further ado, let's just crack into it with your vital statistics. Holes. 18 holes, chipping green and driving range as well. Hectares. Approximately 60 hectares. Bunkers. Currently 54, but hoping to try and lose a few. Okay. I thought we've got a new game. Higher or lower? So bunkers. Richie Lewison, are you higher or lower than Clevedon Golf Club? Lower. Incorrect. The answer is higher. Cleveland Golf has got 20 bunkers. Are you higher or lower than Knoll Golf Club? Higher. Lower. 69. Are you higher or lower than Minchinhampton Golf Club? Definitely lower, I would say. Correct. Minchinhampton, 118. Are you higher or lower than Chippenham Golf Club? Higher. Correct. Chippenham Golf Club, 43. Are you higher or lower than Perrinporth Golf Club? Definitely higher. Correct. Just the nine at Pellenporth. <coughs> Although I think I might bump it to 11 when he did a recount. But Higher or lower than Newquay Golf Club? Higher. Lower. Newquay Golf Club, 78 bunkers. And Travose Golf Club, higher or lower? Lower. Correct. 98. Now, 19. the higher or lower round may or may not stay. We'll see how the, we'll see how the, uh, the crowds react to that one. So, photo statistics. There we go. So that was your bunkers. Uh, staff. How much staff have you got? We've got seven staff. Seven staff. Um, have you got a mechanic? One of those staff is a greenkeeper mechanic, so he, he splits his time between the course and the workshop. Nice. So best of both worlds there. Jack of all trades, love you, yeah. Jubbly. Uh, memberships. How many memberships you got? We're around the 700 mark now. Nice. Which, uh, and is there a capacity on memberships? If you, if you we, we are at full capacity now. I was just having a conversation with our assistant general manager this morning, and um, yeah, our biggest problem right now is the car park's not big enough, really. So we we you know, we got a waiting list now and uh, yeah we're we're full capacity now so uh, fair, which is not, good yeah it's not much of a car park is it that's no, size, size no. wise it's no. uh it's a it's, yeah it's a it's a weird headache to have but okay way, yeah. longest hole longest hole is the twelfth hole par five measuring five hundred and thirty four yards five hundred and thirty four yards now is that longer or shorter than Chippenham's longest hole uh, shorter. Correct, 566. And what is your shortest hole? Shortest hole is the second hole, par three, measuring 141 yards. Now, 141 yards. Now, would that be shorter than Minchinhampton Golf Club's shortest hole? Yes. Incorrect. Minchinhampton Golf Club's shortest hole is 140 yards, so just the one yard in it. Lovely stuff. Uh, I think higher and lower, shorter and longer, probably won't... Probably won't be a feature that stays for long. Okay, um, and what time do you set for in the morning? Currently around about 5.15. And what's the first thing you do in the morning when you wake up? Feed our cat. 
Feed the cat. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, first thing I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's really, really old and blind and deaf, and so yeah, feed the cat. Lovely stuff. And what's the first thing you do when you get to work? Generally, boots on. Uh, quickly say hi to the guys, um, and then usually sit down and have a chat with Matt, my deputy. Okay. So, what's a typical day look like for you? We're constantly looking at the weather. So, you know, I probably look at three, four forecasts every morning um, just to get a, a gist of uh, what's going on weather-wise. So in the back of your mind, you're always planning the day ahead. Literally, as soon as you wake up, really. Come in, have a good chat with Matt, sit down, discuss, um, you know, what's happened, yeah, depending on time of the week, you know, the week ahead. Just trying to factor in jobs for the day around weather, around uh, what golf's on. Because obviously it's getting really busy now, so a lot of our work is first thing in the morning. First four hours of the day, we're flat out with cutting. After that, generally, you know, if we can get out there with the mows, we'll carry on with that. Um, I like to get involved, do as much as I can with the lads. But then obviously, there's quite a fair bit of um, behind the scenes management stuff you've got to do. Just, you know, yeah. could be setting up machines for the following day, you know, ordering fuel, all, you know, all sorts of little things that you've got to do just to keep things moving um, yeah. smoothly. Um, so, you said you've got seven staff. Yeah. So, obviously, that takes a bit of management in itself. Yeah, no, it's um, Cause seven's a nice figure, isn't it? Because quite a few are on six, some are on five. So yeah, I know a lot of guys have been struggling. We, we, that's the most we've had. Uh, we fortunately had an apprentice. Um, well, not fortunately, his, his granddad rang up and just uh, asked if we had any positions going. He came up, we had a look at him, and uh, that's worked out really well. So he's actually signed into his uh, level two. So nice. that was sort of an additional member of staff that we hadn't really planned, but uh, took him on and. Uh, so he's 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 helped massively with the with our workload. Lovely. And you see Matt so obviously Matt's your deputy and he joined you from Matt came from Cotswold Hills Golf Club. Um in is a year February he came and he's been brilliant. Uh, yeah, he, he he generally deals with the lads, um, you know, dishing out the jobs, you know, once we once we've had that chat in the morning and uh, sorted out what what, what nice. we need to do. So, so um, it's been a big help. Yeah, decent. Is he much of a golfer? Matt, no, he he's got a very smooth golf swing. Yeah, um, it's very silky. You look at it and think, oh, he could be decent, but it sort of uh, goes downhill from there. We did play in a McMillan charity day in the summer, and I was just a little bit slow getting up onto the tee to tee off on the first. Yeah. Just walking up the steps to be met with Matt's golf ball coming literally sideways. Because <laughs> obviously you're you're a bit of a player. You're I, a bit of a, bit of a shot, that's how I got into this show. I mean, I I joined up here as a junior and um, loved it. Saw. You know, the opportunities of, of potentially working on a golf course and uh, so I've played a lot of golf in the holidays and so, uh, so, so you're, you're actually a member here yeah? yeah I was a junior member in the late 80s so uh, Ooh, yeah, don't, look, don't look old enough yeah <laughs> but, but yeah I got down to four playing a lot of golf nice. um, but uh, when you're playing when you're playing lots of golf it becomes you know a lot easier but uh, with kids now I don't really play as much so no. um, it's not I think I'm off five currently, but that's probably uh, it's been a while since I put a card in, put it that way. And the rest of the team? Uh, yeah, I think out of the seven, five play, Jake, he's he, he was a decent single figure player in his day. He doesn't play too much now. Obviously, Matt, we've spoken about already. Pete and Ian, they both play. They enjoy a regular game, which is good. Yeah. And Callum, the apprentice, and Nigel, I don't think they've, uh, they haven't really. Nigel's had to dabble in his day, but. Um, Callum, I think he, we need to get him into it, really. Yeah. But yeah, on the whole, it's a, you know. So if you had to get a team together, you could? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of members of staff, who's got the worst lunches? The worst lunches? I'd probably say Pete. Um, call him pa Pastor Pete, because I think on a Sunday night, he uh, 
makes up a huge vat of pasta, which usually feeds them, yeah, feeds them till about Thursday. So yeah. it's usually quite bland. But then on a Friday, we get the bacon rolls and chips from the clubhouse, and uh, oh, he, nice. really, he really fills his boots then. That's um, redemp- the redemption, redemption yeah, Friday. Yeah. So, they're, they're, yeah, his, his, his food's not overly inviting, but obviously very healthy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and who has the best lunches? I'd say Ian. He, he turns up with a um, cool, cool bag full of different compartments loaded with food. He seems to be, you know, whole of break time he seems to be diving into something. Do you make, do you make it himself? Was he live at home? Is it his mum so. or his wife? No, 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 he's um or fiance. Um yeah. no I think he oh, fiance, himself, so, yeah. she, so she's still trying, she's making efforts yeah, I'm not stage. sure I'm not sure if uh, he's doing the she's doing the lunchbox or not, but I think he he's he's doing it and um yeah, there's, there's there's the fruit, there's the yeah, it it just nice. seems to go on and on. So it's, there's a lot of uh Alright, so the course outside then. Where are we? Where are we in the world? What sort of course is it? What 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 are you looking after out there? So we're just outside Cirencester, in the in the middle of the Cotswolds, so about twenty minutes from Cheltenham as well. You know, quite a high golf course. It was an old golf course, so it was, it was built in nineteen ten, or the club was formed in nineteen ten as a James Bray course, uh, with very free draining. Obviously, eighteen holes. I think we've just done the, uh, just over uh, six thousand. 250 yards so it's quite a shortish course small old-fashioned clay push-up greens we did um, lose three holes when um, a bypass went in in the mid 90s uh, so we had to build three new holes which uh, are obviously slightly different uh, construction more of a usga type style of green but yeah we're a great winter course because we drain well which we're, you know, we're really nice. fortunate in that respect but yeah it's a be- beautiful part of the world lucky to lucky to work here really oh that's good so obviously I've- I was going to ask you how you started in the industry, but I'm assuming you started as a golfer, as, as a golfer, and you've you, yeah. you fancied it. Yeah, as a junior junior member, I uh, did my A levels. wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and um, yeah, it's uh, I, I wanted to go to uni, but didn't really know what to do. And my old man just said, "Look, why don't you, you love golf? Why don't you just sort of try and keep along that, those sort of lines?" And uh, found a course down in Cannington College. My, so I did my H and D down there. Nice. Uh, for yeah, about two and a half years, and there's two six-month placements involved with that, which I actually did at Cirencester. It's just yeah, convenient. So when you started the industry, what, what sort of you said it was the late eighties? You said uh... the late eighties. I joined as a junior. Oh, so um, so when, so when did you start golfers. working? So probably yeah, after, when I did my two six-month placements, really, you know, I was here for the summer summer season, and then obviously when I finished my H and I went and worked at Minchin um, Hampton Golf Club yeah. with Matt Worcester's dad, Paul. Uh, for three years and then I came back here in 2001 as deputy yeah got offered a, a deputy's position and then in 2007 I took over as um, head greenkeeper nice so, uh, and what would you say was the biggest what's the biggest change you've seen in the industry between sort of when you started and, and now I think expectations are, are, are far greater than they used to be um, but then you know, they're more achievable now that you know, machinery has advanced a lot um, there's a lot of products out there to make our life a bit easier, which is, which has helped. But then again, on the on the negative side, we have lost a few chemical products, which um, has made certain, you know certainly in the autumn winter months very very difficult as far as uh, you know worm casts and and general. And with the, the milder winters as well, obviously that, that does cause an issue with the sort of just the change in general weather. Yeah. I think. Yeah, so around all, I think I'm finding autumn really difficult now with the leaves, the worm casts, and yeah, uh, milder times during the you know you're not, you're not really getting those winters anymore. 
Yeah. So uh, if it's mild and wet, you, you, you get bad worm casting, which just plays havoc with your cutting, cause presentation. Yeah, so it's 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 a lot's changed over the years. Mainly at Siren Sister, it's the um, you know the levels of golf we're seeing now. Okay, it's, cool. Um, so over the winter, you've done some winter projects, and really, I know you've done a lot of bunker work. So I'm going to put this out as a bunker special. Now I know very little about bunkers. Um, obviously, I've been full of sand. So I just want to know really what what have you done over the winter? What sort of bunkers have you put in? What have you trialled? How have you got on? Um, what do the members think? That sort of thing, really. And yeah, you're you're the bunker expert now. So you right. over to you. Yes, I've got some fairly good experience of bunkers. I've good and bad. Over the years, we've we've sort of redabbled in house, just redesigning some steep banks, just making them more manageable, trying to improve the consistency. I think that's key. Um, when you, you say know, consistency, or just you know consistent shapes, um, and but mainly the sand quality of sand. We at one stage we had two or three different types of sand in the bunker, so okay. straight away, you know, you could argue having to you know adjust your shots depending on what sand you had. So uh, the, the main key was just getting the same sand in the bunkers. Yeah. Um, just making them more playable, more presentable. But recently we've had a, an audit done by a um, French, uh, not sorry, French, Italian golf course designer, uh, Le um, Leeds Golf Design, Julia Ferroni. She came in, did an audit of the whole golf course, yeah, taking each hole and just seeing where we could improve. A lot of it is, is mainly yeah, improving bunkers because she felt they looked quite tired. Yeah, which I took quite offensively originally, but you know, having seen the works we've done recently, she is completely correct. Julia set up a, an order of the course of all the bunkers, so across the site, I think we're due to lose about seven bunkers, uh, and then obviously a lot of getting reshaped, rejigged, repositioned. Um, and one of the, the you know, we've tried and tested different products, bunker edging, sands. Uh, so what we found recently. Uh, where we started in March, we've done two phases of, of bunker works now, and uh, we, we we've gone with um, a shaper, Callum McKee, who comes in, does a lot of the the main bunker shaping, creates a, a ledge for, for around the bunker. We've then had the bunker mats uh, guys come in with their product to line bunkers. Um, and the, and the uh, bunker mat is it for those who don't know what a bunker mat is? So a bunker mat, like type a, of lining, or yeah, so it's a, it's, that's a material lining uh, which is very robust. It's uh, either glued or pinned down uh, they come in and do that so you know it saves us doing that which is great that just sits up over the ledge and um, it's yeah just keeps your base clean uncontaminated uh, it's also very good for holding sand up some of the steeper faces okay we and found that's worked very well and, and sort of sand selection long story on sand but generally we're using sands from Red Hill Quarry so a mixture of a fine grade of sand and then the RH37 so we've actually found that once the line is in we put a, a thin layer of um, the finer sand down just to hang on to moisture because we drain so well and it's yeah. quite an exposed windy site just just to hang on to that moisture and that creates a firmer base yeah and then we put slightly coarser sand on top which makes it easier to rake and a bit more manageable and that does mix in with the, the finer stuff. And we found that that's worked quite well on our site. Also on some of the wetter bunkers, you can put more of the coarser sand in. Okay. And some of the drier bunkers, you can put the finer sand in. So you're almost able to tailor. And, and is that done through them. trial and error? Is that, is that your yeah. own internal sort of, you've got samples in and done it yourself or? Yes, yeah, so initially samples are brought in. The board literally looked at the color um, rather than the spec sheet, which is, is vital. Yeah, trial and error really, because we started doing it and the sand we used was very, very coarse originally and the members didn't like it because balls were plugging. 
we then added started mixing finer sand to try and help that uh, but that was a bit of a pain they then created their own mix which uh, we used again but that was very fine and um, the bunks went very hard in the winter yeah so we've, we've just sort of come up with this sort of you know the finer and, and the finer the mix now and color wise it's quite a it's almost it's not quite white but uh, it's beigey white color okay which, um, which yeah it's not quite Cotswoldy, but uh, you know the members like it and it does stand out well no, decent. Yeah. And is there any plans to do more? Is that is, is that a continued a continued? Yes. Yeah, so we we've the whole course been done. We've just done two phases now. We just literally just finished our, our winter our winter work. Busy but great. Um, but this there's a whole golf course to go through. So you know we try and do as much as we can uh, as time time allows. And um, obviously got away at the, the the budget as well. So we'll just be chipping away there every winter and. Um, probably concentrate on the, the, the bunkers and areas of the course you, that are dying out for improvement but then generally um, it's, it's mainly mainly bunker works. Lovely. Okay so that's a bit about bunkers there. Anyone's on the bunker work? Yeah just so we just found that um, once, we, once, yeah, once the bunker line um, is And in, we, have, we have been joined now by, uh, by Richard Stephanie Matt. Come on in Matt. We just found using the um, revetting turf around the bunker edges has worked really well for us. So. Uh, we put three three layers of that around the bunkers. Sorry, Once I missed that. What was it? The, the the revetting turf that you can buy. Now the revetting uh, turf. Now, so yeah, imagine no one knows what that that, that is. So um, it's it's turf grown by Tillis Turf specifically for mainly probably for links courses um, originally. Yeah, or any any sort of bunker edging really. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we put three layers of that down, which creates a really good solid edge and quite a high edge because obviously we're quite wind exposed, so it just helps keep the sand in the bunkers and it's. It's yes, it's it's really robust, solid stuff. So uh, it it forms that instant instant edge, which brings the bunkers into play a lot quicker, and it, uh, yeah, it looks great. So that's worked really well for us. Okay, so anything else? Anything else on bunkers? What else have you What else have you learned about bunkers in your in your experience of sort of renovating bunkers? And I I don't think it's a perfect bunker. I think no. what's it's what fits your site and your ground conditions. I think yeah, almost starts from the base upwards. What are the perils of bunker reconstruction that you find? If someone's like that now trying to redo their bunkers, what do they want to try and avoid doing? What, what have you learned once you're doing your bunkers? You've got to be realistic with your shaping because obviously you've got to be able to mow around and look after them. But then at the same time, you need them to stand out, look good. So, you know, quite a few of our, you know, we've got quite a few with high faces. And that's just more for look. But then at the same time, it's, it's, it's an area of sand you've got to look after. So you don't want these huge faces that aren't really doing much apart from giving you that look. So it's just finding that balance. And um, that's where the design has been really good. Um, Brilliant. So out on the course as well then, um, obviously you do a bit of ecological work, that sort of thing. So um, obviously Matt's joined us now. Matt sort of heads out by things as a rule. So Matt, out on the course, what are we looking at? What have we got wildlife-wise? Sort of what are you doing to encourage wildlife or, or wildflowers? Or Yeah, we've got a really, really special site out there. I mean, the, the golf club's been on this site since 1910. Um, before that, it was kind of sheep graze land really grazing land so there was a really really good population of wildflower there already um it was grazed i think probably up until the second world war and since then it's a lot of it's not had a lot of management other than what the greenkeepers could do um, yeah. they've got a lot of very steep slopes running through the golf course which you can't really get machinery on um so you know a lot of those scrub invasion has started um so the, the management that we're looking at now is Get some of these areas back under control. Yeah. Um, scrub thinning um, to allow the the wildflower to come back through. You know, there'd be a good uh, soil seed bank supply of wildflower seed native to our site. 
sat there waiting for the opportunity uh, to really get going. So any work that we can do to open up these areas. So I'm right in thinking um, you recently won an award, did you? Was it from the Golf Environment Awards? That's right, Joe. We um, we won Environmental Projects of the Year in the uh, Golf Environment Awards this year. Nice. And what was your uh, project of the year? What, what did you win it for? Um, so the, the Duke of Burgundy Butterfly. Uh, we've got a small population of that, that butterfly on the golf course. Um, and we're working with the Royal Agricultural University in Sirencester. Oh, nice. Um, they're doing research into uh, the kind of life cycle, population, um, and how management of the land can encourage the, the, the population to increase. Um, so they're doing a lot of, um, sort of scientific investigations and experiments, um, and we'll use that as a basis to kind of focus our management uh, going forward so that we can get the grasslands into the right condition to suit that butterfly uh, and many other butterfly species as well. Oh, fantastic. Uh, that butterfly in particular um, relies on cowslip as yeah. its food plant for the, the caterpillar. So the, the more cowslip and wildflower we can get into the, the swords, you know, the, the better the, the grassland will be uh, for that, that in particular uh, butterfly. Well, congratulations. If any, if any, you knew a man who sold cowslips and wildflowers. No, brilliant. Well, well done. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Well, I remember actually a couple of years back before we joined the club, we did some wildflowers. Actually, I did some wildflowers with Rich, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Members... yeah no, those areas are still going. Um, yeah, the, the leader section paid for it, yes. right? Yes, that's right. And seniors as well, they, they contributed towards that. Uh, yeah, we did, we, did two, we did two spots. So we did one up on the yeah. top. Well, you can't, I'm pointing. I'm pointing, but we did one over there at the top and one down by some tees, didn't we? Yeah, so the 18th tees have been moved now, so it's just it's just the ones at the top. But uh, yeah. I need to speak to you about some seed, Joe. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Um, yeah, so the wildflowers are decent. Um, and sort of wildlife on the course, what do you see on the course, sir? Well, we've got a lot of wildlife on the golf course. Um, we've got a couple of members that are really sort of heavily interested in you know, what's going on out there. They have a lot of uh, camera traps put up. Nice. So they can monitor what's going on. The most, the biggie for us is the Duke of Burgundy butterfly. Right. It's uh, a really nationally rare scarce species okay. and there's a small population on this golf course you know that's probably hung on from when it was grazing land and um, was that and was that is that unique to the area or is it just uh, are they a, are they a nationwide butterfly but for some reason you've got some it yeah it would have been you know back in history it would have been a nationwide butterfly yeah but it's its habitat has got smaller and smaller okay um and we've got a very small population on this golf course nice because of the land being protected by the golf course you know if it ploughed up for, for agriculture or Tesco's distribution centre had been built on it, it would have gone. Yeah, okay. But this golf course has, has protected it. Lovely. Um, and anything we can do now to encourage it, you know, we'll be able to hopefully link it up with some other populations that we're aware of locally. And then, you know, oh, you nice. can get the population to expand. Oh, brilliant. Um, and how about things like sort of deer and badgers and anything else? Yeah. Polecat on the golf course we've seen. I don't even know what a polecat is. I've heard of that. What is it? It sounds like it's a denied joke. But, uh, we got caught on the camera yeah. uh, two or three times now, I think. Yeah. And got identified as a polecat. But yeah, it just almost looks like a ferret. But um, yeah, oh, we've never it? seen never seen one you know, during the day. It's just been caught on these cameras. So not, they're, they're not terrible? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, okay, yeah, cool. it's quite quite interesting to know. So um, obviously, so you've, got night, you've got night cams up then. So if any... any Local vagrants are into a little bit of um, dogging and stuff. Watch out, do it. <laughs> yeah. You haven't come across anything just yet, but um, yeah. You've got to be a little bit weary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, so um, I'll, t I'll tell you what we'll do. Since this is one of your ideas originally, fantasy hole. Richie Lewison, what is your fantasy hole? And just so you know, this is died of death. Every time I've asked a question so far, nobody seems to have a fantasy hole. 
What would you what would you be your fantasy hole? Fantasy hole, I think it's got to be a traditional heathland hole where you've got natural features, good ground movement, undulation, um, natural bunkers that are just cut into the lands sandy landscape, interesting green, uh, tight fairways, bordered by gorse and heather nice. and pine, you know, typical heathlandy, you know, particularly when the um, Heathers and flower, gorse and flower. Um, to me, that's just a real McCoy. Beautiful, Matt. I think something really rugged, links, links, landy, rips all real ruggedness. Askenish is on my list of places to go up in Scotland. Okay. Um, you know, doesn't get much more rough and ready than that, and kind of natural. Lovely. So um, yeah, a whole like that. Nice. Um, and uh, game changer. What's, what sort of game changers have you uh, seen in the industry? So, so what products come along? We thought, bang, that's a game changer. I think I think it's got to be Primo or Grudge Regulator. Um, I think that's enabled us to keep feeding, but not worry about having to chase grass. We just got that control. Okay. Um, I think that's been a, a big product over the years. And with the growth regulator, are you on growth degree days or are you on just apply every um, two weeks? No, or, 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 yeah, every two to three weeks. I mean, yeah, you're just looking at the weather. Yeah, obviously it's hot and dry, growing well, lots of moisture, you probably narrow the window down. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not, not doing the calculations, but just uh, feel for it, really. Lovely. What's your general approach or your general foster greens maintenance? Keeping it simple, really. I think it's very easy to overcomplicate things. I think it's just about keeping your soil, looking after your soil, because once that's looked after, I think everything will follow. Um, so yeah, we're, we're predominantly meadow grass greens with um, with you know, portions of bent in there. The drier greens have got more bent grass in. Uh, they're generally our better greens. So it's uh, generally just lots of good aeration, little and often dressings, um, getting the balance between your fertility and moisture and keeping the meadow grass happy because we're, we're not going to go to a complete stand of bent grass. Um, there's no, no so pesky you, so on the site. You're working what you've got. Yeah, just keep it. Yeah. Just, just find that balance to keep your keep your meadow grass happy, manage it in a sustainable way, and then in theory try and keep you know, little and often overseedings with your bent grass just to try and yeah, so, so up those populations. But there's no so no desire to change. No, but so overseed them, boys. Then you, you're just using straight bent. Straight bents, yeah, and yeah, not much to be honest, Joe. We've got pretty good surface out there, so we you know target the main maintenance end of end of September, early October. We'll we'll. We'll go out there after aeration and get a, a good overseed done, and then usually this time of year, we're coming into the spring, we might just go for a light, um, a light application of seed okay. as well. So we're not big overseeders. And um, feed, feeding wise, um, sort of the feeds you use on your greens, liquids, granules, organics. Um, generally organic. Like I said, just try and keep it as natural as we can. So I do like a base feed, like yeah. to keep the keep the meadow grass happy is key, because it's very easy to annoy it. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 you've got two grasses that love opposing things, so it's just finding that balance of keeping both happy, really. But generally, you, you you're trying to favour the bents over the poas, but uh, you just got to. Teas? Any any special treatments for your teas? Not we we some good aeration during the winter months. We just aerated the whole profile, sort of deep dirty draining, mainly solid time aeration. Yeah. Uh, we stay on the teas through the winter, so they do get a little bit worn in places, which uh, we'll do a little bit of. Um, um, sporadic overseeding, like dwarf, dwarf rice. Yeah, generally the yeah dwarf rice. Um, some great mixers out there now, and um, 
Fantastic. Yeah, that seems to work well. Um, and sort of early spring, a bit of a base feed fertiliser, like so yeah, so, release? Or? Yeah, so once we've done our aeration, a bit of scarifying, we'll get a slow release down there, which will generally keep them ticking along for the summer. And then we'll just combine it with a bit of liquid, a bit of iron, a bit of growth regulator, just to keep them in check and you know, looking looking good. Irrigation, got irrigation on your teas? Uh, yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Greens, cool. and, greens and teas. And out on the course now, what's your favourite hole? It's got to be the 14th. Yeah, it's just a very handsome looking hole from the tee. Talk me through it. So you're on the tee, I'm looking down. What, what can yeah, we so see? It's, 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 you're hitting onto the side of the start of our fourth valley. So there's a lot of movement right to left. Um, it's sort of, it's almost folded in half, isn't it? You've, yeah. uh, so you're downhill and then uphill. And it just invites you to open the old shoulders, really. You have got out of bounds down the right hand side. You don't want to hoik it left because obviously all the ground goes that way. Um, we just recently in March did added two two more bunkers, um, pushed the bunker nearer to the the green. So nice. there's two more fairway bunkers now, which you know is enhance the hole further. What, and just, what sort of um what sort of distance? Um, it's yeah, just over 400 yards. Joe. So 400 yards. Stroke index. Stroke index three. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, par. Par four. Par par four. Stroke yeah. index three. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and what's the hardest hole on the course? What's, the, what's your card wrecker? The card wrecker, for me, it's the fifth hole. It's a short little par four up uphill, probably just over 300 yards. It's it's one of those ones you, when I was a junior, you'd have a go at because you're just naive and silly, really. <laughs> Course management didn't exist. So yeah. I mean, our sheds are located to the right-hand side of the hole. And quite often, um, I'd actually clear our sheds when I hit a block. Um, it's a green that... You don't want to get too near to because then you're left with a really tricky little chip. Okay. So I probably had more doubles on that hole than any other. So for me, yeah, that, that little hole's a, a little card wreck. And what's the stroke index on that one? 15. I'm not... <laughs> so so, what's, so what, what's, what's the stroke index on? What's, what's officially the hardest hole? 10th hole. 10th. Yeah. What's in the shed? And I'm talking sort of frontline machinery. What you got there? Generally, it's John Deere. And we've got a bit of Baroness. We, we've got mix and match really, but generally it's John Deere. Okay, um, and what we're looking at, sort of greens cut in and fairways and yeah. So uh, greens tees, uh, aprons, those they're, they're John Deere. Uh, fairway and mower, fairway mower and rough mowers, Baroness. Yeah. Um, we have got a Toro four five hundred for semi rough. And what's your favourite piece of kit? Like everyone says, it's got to be the Procore. Yeah, again, um, I know it's it's. Uh, but it is, it's a great, user-friendly user bit of a Matt, what's your favourite bit of kit? Oh, we just um, just bought a 100 horsepower front loader. Oh, nice. Which, um, is a, a big improvement. We had a, a small John Deere front load tractor when I arrived, which was bought as a bit of a, a multi-tool for the guys, but it, it just wasn't quite man enough for sort of a lot of the construction work we're doing now. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've gone for a, a New Holland. 100 horsepower loader, which uh, is... Well, that's a nice really change really to good. a Procore, anyway. That works for yeah, you. Yeah. And what's your favourite bit of kit ever? I'm going to say our Mini Digger, our Takuchi Mini Digger. Yeah? Because I think that's... It was quite, you know, dynamic of the club to buy it many years ago. And I think it saved the club an absolute fortune. Uh, we used it for all our bunker works, trenching works, irrigation works. It just it's a, It's always out there. Uh, could be loading dressings. Um, yeah, just found that really, really, you know, a nice. really handy bit of kit. Matt, favourite bit of kit ever? Favourite bit of kit ever? Um, probably the Toro Flex Hammer. 
Or which, which, which boss that? So that's, that's a, a floating head hand mower. Uh, we just bought one for our collars. We're going to change up how we mow the collars this year. Um, it's just a, a great bulletproof um, piece of equipment, really. Follows the contours really nicely um, and leaves a great finish. Lovely. And um, obviously, you mentioned earlier you've got a mechanic who looks after your machinery. Um, yeah, yeah, Jake. So he's he's our greenkeeper mechanic. He he loves his cars, uh, spends a lot of time on those, and uh, he we just sort of push him into the workshop. And uh, he's he's worth his weight in gold, Jake. He he keeps everything sharp. He's got we've got our own grinders, so he's he's brilliant at grinding. So we're just fortunate that yeah, all the kits serviced, looked after, and it's going out there razor sharp. So that really helps with presentation and and well, decent. Uh, in the age of celebrity, who's the who's the most famous person to play the course? Not sure. I I know recently we had the, a few from Made in Chelsea turned up on the putting green. Yeah. I think Jamie was one of them. Oh, Jamie, um, oh, Jamie Lang. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, they're on the putting green. It's and, your wife's favourite. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, the the um, girl behind the bar actually didn't know who they were. I went out and gave them a bit of a <laughs> for, for not wearing uh, the appropriate attire. Nice. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, although he's not massively famous, it's. Probably the most recent oh, yeah. recent one. Yeah. All right. So, um, friends in the industry. Who, who are your friends in the industry? Um, well, I mean, we keep we keep in touch with all the local courses. So you got Wayne at Cotswold Hills. You got Nigel at Lilybrook. Elliot at South Cerny. Always on the text with him, just talking greenkeeping. He's very enthusiastic, and they're great to rub ideas off each other. Um, yeah, you know, Matt. He's you know we we chat a lot and uh, rub ideas off each other, and um, you know. It's, and just generally everyone you meet and greet in the industry, really, it's... it's, it's uh, well, I know Sarah's quite quite close-knit, and obviously they're all, they're all good lads. Everybody mentioned there, obviously you've got Wiener and Elliot and that. Yeah, they're all decent lads, aren't they? So We're all, we're all in it together. We're all trying to achieve similar things. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's and you know we help each other out with bits of kit here and there. And uh, That support network is dead-handed, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, we do need that. Um, and who's your biggest influence in the industry? I wouldn't say I've... Got if, one if really. One. I mean, obviously Matt's dad, Paul, um, learnt a lot of him. Dave, my predecessor. If it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be Dave here. Bougen. Yeah. Um, so credit must go to to him. Um, I must say, it's actually Dave Bouge. I did see him down at. Um, he was working at a golf club down in Devon and Cornwall. I forget where he was now. And I did a presentation to the to the southwest bigger section down at. Um, well, it was down at Javis Golf Club, and uh, afterwards he came to, he's come and said hello, Dave. And he said it was the best. He said it was the best presentation he's seen in years. He said it was like a cross between David Brent and Alan Partridge. I think it's the nicest thing <laughs> anyone's ever said. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. that. Yeah, I'll Brent that. and Partridge. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah I've bounced him since. Okay, obviously golf courses wouldn't be any of our members, and we we all have our members and that. But what are their most irritating habits? My big pet hate is divots out of greens. Um, hadn't hasn't happened for the last sort of eighteen months or so, but. We just went through a stage of, you know, every week there's a divot by the hole. You know, back of the putter, Mr. Putt. Oh, is it? Is an, is an anger yeah, strike, yeah. is it? Golf has gone to smack his ball away and just taken a, a big chunk of the green out. Um, that that just really, really, it's disrespectful to the golfer, disrespectful to us. And yeah, it's... And Matt? It's uh, not raking bunkers. I'm not working raking bunkers very well. Have you found that's got worse since the since the pandemic, or was it bad before? Because a lot of people are saying, obviously, you put the, you put the rakes away for pandemic, you put them back out, and you may they may as well be in the bin. 
So you, you find that that's funny sort of... thing was people were desperate for the rakes to come back out. They were asking, when are you getting the rakes back? When are you getting the rakes back? But then they're not using them. Yeah. So it's, it's very frustrating, especially when we put so much time and effort into raking our bunkers. We, we flat rake the faces, uh, flat rake the faces, tooth rake the faces really nicely. So there's presentation spot on. Yeah. And you can come back an hour later and it's trashed. It's, you know, it's very, very frustrating. And what do you guys do to, 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 to communicate to members? What's, what's your sort of membership? What's your, what's your route to, to members? Um, <clears throat> I mean, we've got a Twitter account, which yeah, it's just more for course updates, any info that we might need to pass across. But um, we we do monthly newsletters um, for the um, our general manager, so that um, that quite often goes out to the members as well. Um, so that, that's a good communication source. Um, but yeah, that's that's generally generally it. If your modern day self could uh, could offer your younger self um, some words of advice, what would they be? It's quite deep that um, question. Yeah, I, mean, I think with me, it's, it's believe in yourself. You know, um, keep asking questions. Um, just there's so there's so many knowledgeable guys out there, and it's 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 up to you to ask those questions. Because if if someone comes to you and you know does ask those questions, you know, a lot of these guys will just happily pass on their knowledge and experience and um, advice. I think that's invaluable, really. So just yeah. And any final words of wisdom? I think I think currently greenkeeping is you know a lot of guys are struggling for staff. I think um, it's an absolutely amazing job, and I you know you know you've got so much variety, um, interest you know it's seasonal, um, and yeah I just think. Well, yeah. I, I can see the benefits. I mean, I, I would say a downside if anything to greenkeeping would just be the pay. Um, you you look at some of the jobs at the lower level that have been offered out there, and yeah, I mean it's it's so varied, Joe. Um, but you know, ultimately, you want to get looked after for what you do. Um, it's yeah, every club's different, um, but ultimately, it's 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 a it's a personal thing. It's it's um, you know, I think you you got to be passionate to be a good greenkeeper, and you know, uh, I think that that's the most important thing. But obviously, it's it's nice to be rewarded for that passion and and hard work. Brilliant. Well, Matt, Rich, um, I really appreciate you doing that, that podcast today. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Pleasure, Joe. Thanks yeah. for coming. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Well, this has been the Turf Up Podcast. I've been Joe Hendy. He's been Rich Lewison. He's been Matt Worcester. And uh, catch you next time on the Turf Up Podcast. Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass.com.